Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Today, Peter has a special guest on the show, and that is Charles Ganyu, CEO of Volunteers of America of Massachusetts, a nonprofit organization that focuses on serving those in need. Peter, this sounds like a, a kind of a departure from our typical conversation about financial planning topics that you know benefit affluent families or uh, the information that you give to successful businesses. Yeah, it, it is a departure, Eric. But 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 I think there's an important there are important themes that that are are consistent, mm-hmm. and, and and the first is really what I would call stewardship, and the second is is leadership. Mm-hmm. So you know I I I think of all of us, you know our clients, those 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 that are listening as stewards of our, of our own families, you know, they're stewards. We are all stewards of our community and, you know, good stewards manage the resources that we've uh, have, we've acquired or that we've been given. And so we're all stewards and then leadership, you know, in our community and our family is also vital. A good leader will figure out which path to take in order to meet goals and so stewardship and leadership, you know, really mean having a mission, having goals, establishing a strategy that moves us closer to those actual goals. And so I think personal and business financial planning is part of good and active stewardship and, and leadership. And in my personal feeling, this is just, you know, very personal is that, you know, we're, we're all in this together. Mm. We're all affected when the neediest, neediest in our community are suffering. And, and by helping others, we all benefit. So that's just a deep-seated belief that I have. You know, helping those that aren't as fortunate or, or helping those in, 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 in tough, bad situations so they have a chance of, of becoming positive members of our community. It just improves our, our small part of the world. So if we think of, of people as our community's you know, greatest resource, then aren't we acting as, as good stewards when we help those in need? Mm. And so with, with that in mind, I'm, I'm really excited to hear from our, a great leader in, in, in our community, someone I've known for about a year and a half now, and so pleased that, that I've gotten to know him. And so welcome, Charles, to, to our podcast. Well, thank you, Peter. I'm just really excited and I'm honored that you you want to speak with me about Volunteers of America, and I'm, I'm just glad we can have this conversation because I agree with you around leadership and, and and really stewardship to provide care for everyone in the community, not just people that have resources. But we at Volunteers of America try to focus on folks that have the least resources and try to build up their lives and dreams so they can chase them like anyone else. So. Thanks for having me on the call. Oh, sure. I'm, I'm glad you're here. Just uh, full disclosure to our listeners, I've been on the, the board of directors of Volunteers of America, Massachusetts for, for about 10 years now. So I have a real passion for the organization and, 
and, and just again, I'm real happy that Charles is with, with me today. Charles, what is Volunteers of America and, and who does who do you serve? And, and, and what's, how, how would you describe the difference between Volunteers of America, the national organization, and Volunteers of, Mass, uh, of America of Massachusetts? You know, what is your mission? That's a great question. Why don't I start with the national and then work down to the affiliate level? So Volunteers of America started in 1896 in New York City. It started as a faith-based organization where community ministers work with volunteers, and get this, Peter, helping immigrants, poor families and children, and people coming out of prison in New York City in 1896. We just finished our 125th anniversary and the organization is just thriving. Volunteers of America has a national footprint. It's one of the largest community-based nonprofits in the country. We have 32 affiliates that cover the lower 48. Last year, we had total revenue, gross revenue of $1.6 billion. We help on average from 375 to 450,000 people each day throughout the country. My role, this is month 19, by the way, Peter, my role <laughs> is that I'm the, the president and CEO of Volunteers of America, Massachusetts. We're one of 32 affiliates, and it is my job to lead the strategic vision and mission to serve the poorest people in our community. In Volunteers of America, we really focus on six areas. We focus on outpatient mental health and behavioral health services through our clinics, we have four large residential programs that help people who are in early recovery that are homeless and suffer from co-occurring disorders, which is someone that has undiagnosed mental health and substance use disorders. We work with a variety of homeless veterans throughout the state. We do workforce development, employment, and training. We do also a lot of work with the justice involved with folks that are re-entering the community from correctionals, both state and county. And last, we have three large assistant livings that provide, I think, really beautiful, safe, and respectful care for our elders in each one of our communities. There's a, there's a lot on your plate there. <laughs> I'm not, there's never a double with Peter. No, I'm, I know there isn't. <laughs> so, well, that's really, really uh, helpful. And thanks for, for describing the mission of, of VOA. But, but let's take a, 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 a step back and, and, and Charles... Why introduce yourself? T tell us your, you know, your personal journey because I, I always think that's fascinating. You know, where, where people are from and and how they got to where they are now. Sure. Who's going to play me in the uh, Netflix series? <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm trying to. I, I don't want to even go there, right? So I, I'll, I'll try to to be uh, succinct. So I grew up in a small rural town in Minnesota. So it actually popped over a thousand people in 1990. So the first time my wife came to the town, she was in the local newspaper. It's just, you know, it was, it was a slow news day. So uh, I, I really, I really kind of give credit to this small town. It was a small Irish Catholic town. And my grandmother Murph, who was a real true leader in the community on two levels. She was the first woman to be on the school board in the county and my aunt Judy, who was my godmother, was born with significant developmental disabilities. And in 1972, after my grandmother passed away, my family took over lead, lead, you know, legal guardianship of Aunt Judy. And that we got very involved with the developmental disability community at an early age. There's a place called Camp Friendship, which was the first 
all summer camp for adults that had developmental disabilities and we would volunteer. And, you know, I would see how a lot of people in the small town would make fun of my aunt and it really made me mad. And it got me thinking that, you know, we had no money growing up. My, my, my dad was a truck driver. My mom worked at the local, you know, drugstore. But what we did is we were wealthy because we had a huge loving family that supported us. And we had a, a really large circle of friends. So we felt like we had everything. And we really had nothing. And that kind of got me thinking as I, I went through college, I went to St. John's University in Minnesota. It's, I think it's the only all-male Catholic liberal arts college left in the country. It's Benedictine. So it's a very progressive side of, of, of this kind of Catholic social action. And I think when I went through there and, you know, I could have gone to law school, I could have gotten my, my MBA, did some traveling. And finally, I realized that I, I, I really wanted to do something to make a difference. So I went back to graduate school at Columbia University, New York City. I wanted to study urban policy that focused on community development, housing and behavioral health care. Met a woman from Maine and here I'm in Boston as the CEO of Volunteers of America, Massachusetts and just loving it. Yeah, well, I know VOA Mass is is so excited to to have you as in our in that leadership role. But thanks thanks for that that, that description of, of where you're from. I, I just think it's so important because because you know we are we are we in a lot of ways we are who how we were brought up and and you know th- those those roots are deep, and so those important experiences really do drive us going forward. Yeah, and I know Peter. Peter always brings his family in to provide a, a homemade meal with one of our congregate care facilities, and I just I respect that and, and really appreciate that. And I've tried to do that with our our two young children to try to bring them into the world, thinking that a lot of people have very little, and some people have no one to turn to. So I think that level of compassion and, and willing to to provide care and support and just stand by someone, I think it's an important an important valuable. Uh, virtue. And I think right now what's happening in America, we need it more than ever. Oh, we sure do. I, I think there's, there's so many in, in need and, and they really, they need our empathy. They, they need us to care. You're spot on. Yep. Uh, so, you know, we, we talked a bit about stewardship and leadership. Uh, what, what is specifically, what, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Well, I think it gets back to my mother who we never spent any money we didn't have. And we always had to save <laughs> my mother. She, she's, she's, she's really the reason why I, I think I, I've been so successful. Not that my father passed away fairly early, but my mother, all the money she, she saved and sent us to Catholic universities, you know, really from underneath her bed, that's where the money was. So I think it really comes down to, I feel I have an obligation not only to you, Peter, and the board of directors, but all of our employees at VOA Mass, in particular, the people we serve. And, and what, if, if we're not doing effective, conscientious budgeting, if we're not stretching every dollar to meet our mission, if we're not being really smart about how we finance our properties, so we're not wasting you know, resources by having unfavorable terms. And lastly, I, I take an obligation that we're using a variety of different public funds. And we have an obligation, taxpayers, to provide top quality, high impact care that's going to make a difference. And one of the reasons why both the government and and policy leaders make these investments, so community-based partners like Volunteers of America, Massachusetts, we can do and make interventions 
that large institutions cannot. We can bring about a whole level of care that the teaching hospitals cannot do. You know, we penetrate in the community where the need is. And I feel that I have a moral and a professional and a fiduciary responsibility as a CEO to make sure that we're being smart, strategic, we're investing, we're planning for darker times and making sure that no matter what happens, and even during a pandemic, as you know, Peter, we had one of our strongest fiscal performances because I think we made some smart moves, we had some good luck, and I had the support from the board to lead with bold and, and really an employee-centric attitude to make sure our frontline workers knew they were essential workers. We paid them heroes pay, we gave them bonuses, we did everything we could do to have them walk in and take care of the most frail people during a very uncertain time. So I'm very proud of what we did. I think great leaders uh, are resilient in, in, in all sorts of in environments and situations. And my goodness, the last you know, 14, 15 months, uh, you, you needed to show a tremendous amount of leadership and, and, and resiliency. And also, you know, over, over the years, I think great leaders make changes, you know, they're, 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 they're willing and able to, to shift, certainly keeping their mission in, in line with, 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 with the goals and objectives of the organization, but, but making adjustments to, to continue to get better. And, and, and to provide those services. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a great response. One of the things I made a decision consciously, first of all, I was sending hundreds of people into program buildings every day. And I made a, a clear decision that I was gonna come in and, and, and support those troops and our frontline workers. So I've been coming to the office every day. Our employees really appreciated that commitment for myself. Second of all, because we had such a long serving previous CEO, I've tried to bring a startup mentality to our team here, really roll up our sleeves, think strategic, let's be smart, create new partnerships so we can even be a more, uh, a more prominent organization, thought leader, and known to provide solutions and best practices so the funders, philanthropic partners, and the payer community through insurance are going to come to Volunteers America and say, these guys know what they're doing. They're measuring their data and analytics and they're demonstrating cost and benefit with these kind of investments. We want to work with them. So that's the kind of, that's the gravitas I want to bring now and into the future for VOA Mass. Yeah, that's great. I think, and we certainly need it. Yeah, Charles, I've seen lots and lots of businesses in my my career. I've, I've, been, I've been a business owner for, for almost 37 years now. And I'll tell you, VOA uh, Massachusetts is as complicated a business structure as I've seen. Not, not that you should get into all the detail, but I think it would be helpful for our listeners to just understand some of those, those complicated features of the organization. And, 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 and that might help us understand kind of what the day-to-day -day challenges of, of an organization like, like VOA is. Yeah, well, thanks, that's a great, it's a juicy question, Peter. <laughs> Anyways, it it's really comes down to my role is a balance between mission and business execution and sustainability. Because really, Volunteers of America, Massachusetts, it's almost a hybrid business model where we have our traditional grants and contracts that's delivered through a, more of a traditional, we contract with the federal, state government, local government to provide services. It could be for homeless veterans. It could be for behavioral health care. It could be for veteran services. And then on the other hand, 
we got into the assistant living market and we created almost a, a for-profit market-driven initiative that would help provide high quality competitive care both for-profit and non-profit in three different markets. And by having this business side with the charity side, I think we have a very unique hybrid model that will strengthen, it would certainly strengthen us in fiscal 20 and 21, but I think it gives us the foundation to embrace innovation. And when you're in a strong fiscal position, that's when you can take calculated risk. That's when you can embrace innovation and blow the competition away. And I think that the complexity of all the different people we serve, right? People coming out of prison, veterans that have burned all their bridges with the VA, people that have been chronically underemployed, people that are suffering from co-occurring disorders, these are real challenges. And I think what we have to be able to do is work within the regulatory framework, we have to maximize our occupancy and reimbursement. So every dollar matters to me. And in general, the government doesn't pay us for the whole cost of these services. So then on the other hand, we also do a variety of private fundraising and through our resource development and we're just transforming and redoing our entire website, which will give us a brand new online presence. So I think all those things make Volunteers of America Massachusetts is a very complicated organization and business. As you know, we come out of a faith-based history, so that, that makes it juicy. Two, we have a variety of different populations we're trying to serve. We have over $100 million worth of real estate assets. you got to manage that. And, and lastly, we deal with the highest risk people in the community. You know, Peter, I shared with you, I was very sad, and we had one of our clients overdose got some really bad street drugs, and she ended up passing away at 41. She had no family. We did a memorial service at the program location. The only two people that showed up for this woman were her probation officer and her public defender. But we had our entire staff and the clients, and it was a beautiful sunny day. And um, that just made the world of difference to me that a business and organization at Volunteers America could do this for this young woman who passed away. And we paid for all the cremation and burial services too. Yeah, isn't it, it's, it, despite the complication of, of, of the, the business aspect of this organization, it is about the people that are being served. And I'm, I'm reminded of a, of a couple of uh, stories. So I've been on the board for a long time. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just a great pleasure for me to, to be around people like yourself and the other board members. And, but I've also done some, a little bit of volunteer work in some of the programs. So one of the programs I, I helped out with was a, I would acting as a mentor at one of the prisons locally. Mm -hmm. And uh, once a week, I would I would uh, meet with my mentee at, at the prison, and we we chat for forty five minutes just about his his life and his world, and 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 really, it was a fantastic experience. Hard at times, but just listening to to his his journey, which was totally unlike my own experience, was just eye opening. And he was released and, and I hope he's still doing well, but that was just a, a great experience. And so that was one, one thing I wanted to share. And the other was at a, at a board meeting, this was a few years ago before, before you were involved, Charles, we were, we were at one of the, one of the halfway houses that, that we support the organization runs and a, a woman talked about her, her journey 
and she was a recovering addict. And she talked about one of her biggest losses was not being able to be with her children. And, and she was a young, vibrant uh, woman. You know, she, she could have been anyone's sister, good friend, daughter, you know, just, she, she, she was just, she, she was not unusual in that way. And, but just hearing the pain in her voice was really powerful to me. And so a few days later, I walked into my, my gym in downtown Boston, where I was exercising in the morning and lo and behold, she's sitting behind the desk and she, (laughs) this was her, her job. And, and for the next four or five months, I got to see her about four or five times a week in the morning. And it was really, again, it was powerful to see her recover and her move forward. And eventually she did get to reunite, reunite with her, her kids. Well, thanks for sharing. I've not heard that story before. It's lovely. And the good news, Peter, is that we have more wins than losses. But as you know, we'll probably have other people make bad decisions that will either end their life or jeopardize everything they have. And we have to wake up every day, I think, accentuate the positive. We have to be empathetic. We may never be thanked, but we have to respect and be tolerant of their choices and to provide them with solutions to help themselves. Yeah. And I think that that's core to mission. And the, the only thing I would add about the complexity of Volunteers of America, Massachusetts, it's always about looking and, and following risk management because anything can happen tomorrow or tonight. And we have to be ready to be able to respond to that. And the other thing that I've always known, but now I realize fully, there are 22,000 501c3s east of Worcester, Massachusetts. So our competition is intense. And in every level of service, whether it be the service sector of veterans or behavioral health, we have to compete and be really competitive and play offense and defense all the time. So that's something that's always in my mind. And I, I was raised as an athlete and I believe my football coach said, oh yeah, you can play offense and defense. And I did. <laughs> 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 That's great. Ch- Charles, back to kind of the business organization aspect of, of uh, VOA Massachusetts, you know, we, we've got a very strong board of directors. And, and, and I know that, that that's an important role in any organization, but, but could you describe the board's role and then your role and, and, and also how your, your actual leadership team, because it's not just you, how your leadership interacts with the board of directors? Sure. Yeah, I mean, the board of directors is key to any not-for-profit organization. And frankly, things start at the top. So if you have a dysfunctional board or a board that's fractured, the organization is very unlikely going to meet its mission and the execution of the day-to-day operations that management is responsible, including myself, it will be troubled. So the board, we have 12 members on our board of directors. And I have to say they're lovely. They understand the role. First of all, it's very important that their role is one of governance. Their goal, they have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure both our budgets and compliance and risk management is uh, discussed on a routine basis and reported to the full board. They also weigh in on strategic considerations and opportunities, not necessarily operations. Once again, that's management. And and, and the last piece is that their, their overall 
support of the organization is key. And, you know, Peter's given a couple of great examples about how active he's been and really trying to understand what we do at our residential programs. So the board is key. I am the 12th person. So as the president and CEO, I also have voting authority. I prepare the agenda with my executive team, which includes our chief financial officer, chief operating officer, our director of human resources, and our, our director of resource development and communications. And we work very closely with Peter and the executive committee, in particular, board chair Jim Goldinger, to make sure our board meetings are efficient, transparent, and that the board members have a chance to ask me or anyone on my team tough questions. A funny thing is our board chairperson, he's a venture capital great guy. He will not allow me to go one minute over 90 minutes, right, Peter? That's so, right. <laughs> so I have like eight agenda items. So I have to be very efficient and very succinct, succinct so I could really get what I need to you know, share with the board and of course, get all the necessary votes. So we need good board members. Nonprofits need good board members that care about the mission and that they to give back in a way that is really important. I can't I just can't underestimate the value of good, active, and respectful board members to management. And I can't do my job without that kind of support. Well, you, you've got it. We, 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 your, your board supports you and, and certainly, and certainly the organization. So I, you, I recently had a, a business coach on the podcast, uh, Kevin Poland, and, and he talked about uh, strategic business planning. And so the, for those listeners, it was episode 57, if you haven't heard it. And he talked about doing a, uh, what he calls a SWOT analysis, which is looking at an organization's strengths and weaknesses, and, and also looking at the external opportunities and threats. So, so be, being the leader that you are, I know you aren't standing still. So talk about VOA's strengths and weaknesses, and then those opportunities and threats that you see. Oh, yeah, that's that's great. Well, as you know, Peter, we're we're launching a, a new enterprise-wide strategic plan. So this is a great question. And I and I would say that we made some good and strong strategic decisions and moves during the pandemic, but certainly certain aspects of the planning were really suspended because you know we really were in uncharted territory. But let's start, let's start with some of the strengths. First of all, you know, we're part of this national organization. So the national team, Washington, D.C., their job is to support affiliates and make sure we thrive and grow, stay mission-focused, but also adopt best business practices. So this year, Volunteers of America and the National provided a variety of good resources that we could use to really bolster our strategic position. So for instance, we got a $50,000 grant to do a new strategic brand and marketing plan for our behavioral health services. Very helpful, hired a great consultant. So we have this great national structure that is really solid. Like I said, $1.6 billion, all total with all affiliates. So we're, we're a force to be reckoned with nationally. Second of all, we have this rich history. And the history shows that certain elements that started in 1896 are true today. So staying focused on our mission that really has never changed and making sure that funders, both public and private, understand that people want to invest in our mission. And last thing, and I give 
Peter and the previous CEO, Tom Bierbaum, we are in a strong fiscal position. Along with our chief financial officer, we have very solid financial statements, including our balance sheet. We have not had to use our line of credit in seven years, which is unheard of. And I, I think that we're in a really good position to be to scale the organization and really go into this next phase. I mean, some of the weaknesses, you know, I've had some mechanic discussions with my other CEOs. Volunteers of America, Massachusetts, or Volunteers of America, is a, it, it's a confusing name. We have this rich history, but people are like, well, are you part of City Year? Do you only work with volunteers? You have 32 affiliates that come up online, and they're all different. So we have a major brand challenge that we have to fix. And that's one of the reasons why we're redoing our website. We're using common language across all of our programs. Everyone can actually... Just, you know, really share our mission statement, every employee. We have a new tagline, Peter knows this, care today, opportunity tomorrow. And, and I think the lack of awareness, of, I'm a very different leader than the previous CEO, and I'm going to serve as an ambassador to make sure uh, people know about our great work at all four corners of Massachusetts. I think the threats, the threats uh, really come down. We have some very large behavioral health organizations that are kind of market leaders. And we've made a strategic decision and shift to make behavioral health one of our primary, our strategic priorities. One of my intention with the strategic plan is to transform Volunteers America into an integrated care management organization. We're going to bust down silos and we're, we're going to create intentional integration to provide whole person care to every client we see. That's exciting. It's the future of healthcare. I believe it's the future of human services. But a, a lot of people are trying to do that and haven't done successfully. But I believe we can do that because we're a smaller organization, we're more nimble, and we're ready to pivot. The other thing is geographic position. Uh, we have a lot of opportunities in Metro West, Worcester County, and even in Essex County. So I think we have a lot of opportunities outside of Greater Boston, even though most of our programs are in Greater Boston. So we're evaluating the opportunities and threats currently that we have in, in the metro area in Boston. And the last opportunities, the good news is there are several great opportunities. I just hired a new director of workforce development. We landed a $4 million grant, the only one in New England from the Department of Labor to help people coming out of the justice system secure permanent employment. That's a significant investment. And the woman I hired is a leader in the state. So there's, I think there's a lot of opportunities there. I think the conversion and transformation of Volunteers America into an integrated care business model is going to make us more competitive and allow us to position and negotiate value-based contracts with the payer communities. And what I mean by that is the payer communities on the public side is the state of Massachusetts and MassHealth. And we also work with 12 private insurance companies. So we're in this position to really shift gears, make good business decisions. In certain lines of business, we can create deeper and larger operating margins. So once again, I want to make sure the moves that we are making will be sustainable and we can reinvest those margins back into mission. Yeah, I mean, this, back to, to stewardship and leadership, you know, I, I think there's a lot that, that the governments can do well, but there, there's, you can't replace the creativity and the energy and the expertise of these uh, of smaller organizations like VOA that that are part of our community 
and that can do the things that, that the government can't do. So these are great investments from the state and the federal government to, to organizations like VOA, because if anyone can get it done, you can and your organization. So I, I think that's great and, and keep at it. Well, thank you for those kind words. And, you know, Peter, I told you during the interview, one reason why I was so excited about this opportunity is one, because of the mission. I think it builds upon the work I did in my previous organization. So I understand this business very well. And, and second of all, the organization is in a position to really move to the next level. And between our gross revenues, between our assistant living and volunteers of America, Massachusetts, you know, we're about a $32 million organization. And that, that, that might sound big to some, but you know, we're, we're competing against organizations that are well north of $100 million. And I think we're, we're in a position to be able to move the dial and just help more people. That's great. Well, thank you for that. I have one final question. And, and this is you know, just really more about just about the organization, but and, and from a staffing and, and board perspective, diversity is such an important priority for a lot of organizations. Can you briefly talk just about how and why that's important to, to VOA and what you're doing to increase diversity from at the staffing and the leadership and, the, and, and, and a board perspective? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a timely question. You know, look what's happened, you know, in the last two years, certainly in the last 16 months around Black Lives Matters and all the health inequities that were, you know, so obvious via the COVID data points. So I've been thinking very clearly about using diversity, equity, inclusion as not just a function of HR, but putting that as one of the cornerstones of our new strategic plan and business model. Over 50% of our employees, Peter, are people from brown and black communities. That's important to note. Secondly, over 60% of the clients we serve are people from brown and black communities. So we need to be mindful and committed and sensitive that our staff and team, our management team and our board should look similar to the communities we serve. And I think with this heightened awareness about shifting gears and making sure that we're intentional about DEI. So I think I, I shared with you that our new HR director, Rejoice, she's lovely. We had over a hundred people apply for our job. I was very intentional about identifying her. She's originally from Ghana. She's got great experience. I could have hired three other people, but I made a point of hiring an African-American woman who's a leader with great experience and very skilled. And having that intentionality around trying to diversify our staff is very important. And, you know, I have to be mindful. I'm a white male. I was raised in a small town in Minnesota. I'm always learning. You know, I'm trying to become, you know, a different person and evolve both with my philosophy, values, outlook, and, you know, the unconscious bias that we're all born with. So we're doing a major deep dive on DEI. It's going to be part of our strategic plan with Rejoice and our, our chief operating officer. We're going to put together an entire training and engagement plan for the entire agency, get feedback from frontline workers. And, and really begin to be a different type of culture. Organization culture matters so much. And DEI is going to be reflective of what we do and what we think and what we believe in. And when people are competing for employees to retain them, we're trying to compete to secure new employees. That's going to matter. 
and it's we just can't talk the talk we have to walk the walk and you know i'm making that commitment to you peter obviously as a board member and, and certainly a leader on the board and you know i look forward to working with you and the board members on this journey well that it is a journey and a challenge but it, it they're great rewards for 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 us and, and especially for those we serve and so thank you for, for all that you do. I, I, I really, this has just been great. And I'm so excited that you're, you're able to join us and, and, and so thrilled that, that you're, you and, and uh, your leadership team and VOA Massachusetts are, are really helping the, the neediest in our, our community. And, and I know our, our listeners are really can, can appreciate what you do and how a mission-based organization can, can make a difference. So if, if our listeners are, are so inclined, you know, what, what can they do to help with this mission? Mm, I appreciate that, that question, Peter. Well, I have, there's a couple of things that I would really urge your listeners to consider. First of all, please support our mission. Our website, our new website is being launched in, in July. And I think you're going to see a lot of rich content about this important work we do. And the day of the Lone Ranger is over. We need partners. We need collaborators. We need supporters. So please support our mission. If you're, if you're inclined to volunteer, please call us and we can identify a volunteer operating for you or your children or, or your, your house of worship. Of course, I'm always going to be out there asking for people to support us financially, both a personal or a corporate contribution. We have dozens of different partners across the state and both public and private individuals that support our mission. It's desperately important. So I would urge you to do that and be generous. Well, I also think it's important for you to understand that supporting local legislation that impacts our ability to do our job, to fund our program. So your local state rep, city councilor, and certainly both the, the local rep and the local senators, but also your, your Congress members. You know, you, maybe you live in Catherine Clark's district and she's the assistant speaker of the house. We need you to speak up to both state and federal political leaders to support our programs, our line items to make sure we can meet our mission. And, and the last thing is I think is just getting the word out. You know, if you're having a discussion at your house of worship or you're at a block party, it's like, God, I ran into this organization, Volunteers of America, Massachusetts. They're doing incredible work, you know, and they're, you know, they're helping homeless individuals. They're helping veterans. They're helping folks that are coming out of correction. I think that mission and that messaging will, will resonate with both people and we welcome and their support and we welcome their partnership. And it's always more enriching for me to have a community support to do our job. And certainly when things go wrong, we have to turn to our partners and say, you know, you need to help us get through this. And I, I certainly feel blessed that we have so many partners in hand that support our mission. And lastly, you know, it comes down to board members like Peter. Peter, you know, I thank you so much for serving your long serving board member. You're active. You provide me good counsel, support, you also question, say, hey, maybe we should go incrementally as opposed to zero to 60, which I'm capable of. Anyway, <laughs> so I just want to say thank you, Peter, on behalf of the staff and myself. Well, thank you. We really appreciate it. And Charles, thanks so much for, for, for being a, a guest on, on the, the podcast. It, it was just a, a great joy to have you describe what you do, how you do it, and uh, who, who you do it for. So thanks a lot. You're welcome.
What an amazing podcast, Peter. Thank you so much for having Charles on. He was a great guest. Charles, of course, thank you for being here. And our last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors, securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC, investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor, insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.